0: Um, I really appreciated John's message last week, and it, it was in a, in a way a springboard for today's message, and I find that often happens whoever preaches when I'm not here, like what happened with Jonah that ended up being several messages, and now um, John's message on willingness just kind of got the wheels turning, and it was a very convicting message about you know, our willingness, and, you know, it made me think about something, which is the message today. Um, I guess I never really thought through the ramifications of Miriam's willingness when the angel came to her and spoke that word over her. Um, We wouldn't think of it. Because in our day and age, it is not unusual, you know, to have unmarried women, you know, ready to become moms. You know, that's become kind of a common occurrence and no one would get stoned for that. But in Miriam's day, that is what would happen. And while I knew that, I never, I don't think I ever really connected it the way John did last week. Because that made her willingness far more in my face. So anyway, we're, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. So I'm going to ask you to turn over there because I'm, I'm going to read a lot of it. And I'm actually today, I'm reading from... The Christian Standard Bible. You know, when I do my preparation during the week, I often read from several different translations. And for whatever the purpose is, sometimes one translation just kind of grabs me far more than another translation. And that happened um, this, this week as I was preparing this message. So... Um, I am going to use the, the Hebrew names of the people in the, in the Scripture. So I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 5. And we're just going to look at um, Zechariah, who was Yochanan, the immerser, John the Baptist's father. And what occurred when he was fulfilling his responsibility as the priest who offered incense for that two-week period of time where, when his division was serving in the temple. So in beginning in verse 5, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abiyah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aharon, and her name was Elisheva. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elisheva could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, It happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elisheva, will bear you a son, and you will name him Yochanan, John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. His, he was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. Okay, so I'm going to stop there, and we're going to take a look at this passage. Um, the first thing we know is that Zachariah is a priest in the household of God. And the priest served two weeks every year, and they chose by lot what their responsibility would be. And his, at this point, was to burn incense. Now, we know that to be chosen by lot is the chance outcome, correct? It's like drawing straws. And we, you know, in our way of thinking, it's a random outcome, right? Not with God, Not with God. In Proverbs 16.33, I'm paraphrasing, but the outcome of every chance event is in the hands of God. So the Lord wanted Zachariah to be at the incense altar. The incense altar and the prayers of the saints are intertwined. And so twice a day, the priest offers incense, and what he does is he takes the coals from the altar where the sacrifice, where the daily sacrifice has taken place, and takes those coals and puts them on the altar of incense, and then he puts the incense on the altar, morning and evening, and those, that incense arises to God as a sweet aroma as the people pray outside And so we see a connection between the altar of incense and the prayers, and we know that in the book of Revelation is another reference to the incense and the bowls and the prayers of the saints coming before the Lord. But there is another connection too. They're not separate and distinct coals that are burned on the altar of incense. It's the coals from the altar of sacrifice, which joins everything together. The, the sacrifice, the daily sacrifice, which is us, correct? In this day and age, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice daily, not just once a year, not just on the high holy days, but every day. We are those living sacrifices who offers that fragrance, that incense fragrance of prayers to the Lord. Everything in scripture is not for the old days. It's for now. It's to give us a visual and an understanding of the ways of God. In fact, a couple of the songs talked about the ways of God this morning. And that is our desire to understand and walk in the ways of God. And we don't know it all. We will never know it all until we get to glory. And even then, I think, I don't think it's an instantaneous thing. I think it's like it would have been in the garden. It would have been a revelation, you know, like day-by-day revelation. But anyway, um, so here we have um, Zachariah offering the sacrifice. And, And we have a little information about Zakaria and Elisheva, we know that they were righteous people. They lived without blame. They f- were faithful followers of the Lord, and they, it delighted them to walk in his ways. So we have a picture of this couple. You know, they would be the perfect parents, but not yet. Not yet. And so... Um, the next thing we read is that this angel appeared to Zechariah. And he tells him his prayer had been answered. So (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder, did he forget about that prayer? And Okay, so I, would, I think I would feel the same way as Zachariah if I saw an angel. I think I, would be, I think I would be terrified. I think I would fall down, and I would want to hear those, those calming words, be not afraid, which every time an angel appears to a human being in the scriptures, that's the first thing you read is do not fear or be not afraid. And for good reason, I can't imagine the glory, the beauty, the, you know, the amazing presence of a, of an angel. And um, so it's in this hour of prayer, in the offering of the incense, that the angel says, your prayer has been heard. I hope that's not lost on anyone. It's the hour of prayer, and the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Okay, so, you know, it is, it's all about God's timing. So, let me just go over the things that Zechariah hears. He hears that Elisheva is going to bear him a son. That is what the priests long for, a son, to follow in their footsteps, To become a priest to the Lord. Then the angel says, "What you're going to name him? Yochanan. His name will be Yochanan, John." Then he says, "There's going to be joy and delight for you. People are going to be people will be rejoicing at the birth of your son. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord." He will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with a roachedesh while he's still in his mother's womb. He's going to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, the fulfillment of Malachi. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children, the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready a people for the Lord. And Zachariah says, Whoa! He missed it all. He missed it all because he got stuck on the very first thing that the angel said he saw this much of the picture and missed the big picture. However, I am not judging and I am not criticizing because I have done the same thing. When God has spoken to me through an individual or his word or sovereignly, you know the whole story about the Jonah thing, I stopped at the very beginning instead of looking at the big picture. I think we all have a tendency to do that in our flesh. And, you know, I kind of want to say, but he was a priest. Well, who are we? Who are we? We are priests. We are a chosen generation, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests to the Lord. We really have no excuse, even more so because we have Yeshua, the revelation of Yeshua they had yet to see that we have that we look back to that moment when history changed forever on that tree of sacrifice on that cross we really are without excuse but we are frail we are flesh and so he says Not wow. But how can I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And then the angel announces exactly which angel this is. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Well, he missed the good news. Because He got stuck on that one, that one statement. And so then he's going to become silent and he's not going to be able to speak. And I don't know, I kind of have, um, I have my own opinion about it. And I guess one of the things is, Probably the most, I don't know if it's the most important thing, but I had a conversation with somebody this week about the power of our words. And I wonder if he was silent so that he wouldn't speak anything negative. Because we know that there's power in our words. Um, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we eat the fruit of the words of our lips. And so maybe he would have said something negative. I don't know. Maybe that's why he was silenced. There could have been, you know, other consequences for not believing the angel. But there's that. And then the other thing that possibly possibly would be A reason why he was silenced is because he asked the question, how could this happen? You know, I'm old. My wife is well along in years. But the patriarch of our faith was a 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah was ninety, and I kind of wonder how how is that forgotten in the great scheme of things? You're talking about we're talking here about priests who know the word of God. Would my mind have gone there? Well, I don't know. I I can't say that. But those are two kind of reasons why I think that might have been the consequence. You know, like. Okay, now you're going to be quiet. And you're not going to, um, by your words, influence anyone else along the way. Maybe that's why I get laryngitis every once in a while. Because God doesn't want me to speak and he doesn't want me to influence people uh, with negative talk. So, um... Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging Sakaria, I'm simply saying this is a very interesting response after the description of what Yochanan would be like and what he would do in his lifetime. And of course, you know, we already know that because we've read the Gospels and we know what Yochanan did and the influence that he had on the children of Israel. So now we're going to continue with, well, let me read the, the end of the story of Zechariah. Well, it's not really the end of the story. Um, verses 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elisheva conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She says, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people, and you know historically, um, it was a disgrace to not be able to bear children and you know I think of all of the women in scripture who had difficulty, especially you know all of the patriarchs and and their wives and um, and I think of Hannah in the book of Samuel, and we 're going to get to that in a minute, but um, now The scene changes, and in verse 26, we read this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Miriam, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Miriam, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Miriam asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Ruach HaKodesh will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elisheva, Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. Miriam's reply was, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Well, there are a lot of similarities well, there are a number of similarities in this passage. Number one, an angel appears to Miriam. It's the same angel, Gabriel, and he announces the same thing, that she too is going to have a son. And the interesting thing is, and I'm, I'm not sure, I don't, we don't know a lot about Miriam. Um, I know there's a lot that's been handed down in the culture about Miriam, but we really don't know too much about her except that she is a favored woman, favored by God. Her response to the angel is that she was deeply troubled by what he said, which is what I think what John alluded to, the fact that, okay, she's not married yet. She's betrothed to Joseph, but she's not married yet. And it's very clear how this is all going to happen. And so I just find that she's not fearful of the angel's presence. I mean, he didn't say to her, Anything about, he did say not to be afraid, but he connected it with, for you have found favor with God. And he responded to her unspoken question about what does this statement mean? She never said it out loud. She just said she wondering what kind of greeting this could be. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. No, all she said, all that, let me back up. All that the angel said to her was, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. This is before he explains that she will have a son. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. And, but she was troubled even by that, that she was a favored woman of God. And the first thing that came into my mind was, her humility. Why would she be favored by God? D- does that make sense to you? I mean, it made sense to me. Why would she be troubled by that? He didn't say yet that she would conceive and have a child, so she's not troubled by that. She was wondering about the way he greeted her. And what that spoke to me was her humility. That she didn't assume she would be favored by God. She didn't assume that the angel, you know, oh yeah, here's an angel visiting me. There was no, she, she didn't think this was an ordinary thing. She thought this was unusual. And Maybe she didn't feel that she was worthy of it. And I find that in itself telling about Miriam. Because we don't know much about her. But I look at this and her response is very humble. That, you know, like, why me? And then the, the angel goes on to say, do not be afraid, and you, know, you found favor with God. And then he explains to her the bigger part of the picture, which is that she will conceive and have a son, name him Yeshua, and so on and so forth. And then she says, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel explains to her exactly what is going to happen. So in my research research, This week, he says that the most, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And as I research that word overshadow, there's one other place in the scripture, in the New Covenant scripture, where we find that word overshadow, and it's at the Mount of Transfiguration. When the glory of the Lord overshadows the mount and Yeshua is transformed, Elijah is there, Moses is there, Yeshua is there, and Peter and John are there. And that led me to look further about that cloud, which where I ended up was Exodus 40. Which is the glory cloud of the Lord. we don't know how that worked in Mary's life Miriam's life. All we know is that the glory cloud overshadowed her, and as a result of that, just the glory cloud of the Lord overshadowing her, she conceived Yeshua, and then her Okay, he says to her about Elisheva, and then he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And with that, she responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. The simple willingness of a young woman who, I mean, I've heard that she could have been as young as 14, We don't know. We know something about the culture. But I'm just thinking the kind of faith that it took backed up by a willing heart. It was out of her willing heart that she had this faith to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. This was monumental. And I think of the times that I hem and haw about something the Lord says to me. And yet, she was fully willing for the Lord to do whatever he needed to do for this prophetic word to be fulfilled. I could easily say that she too stopped at the "you will conceive and have a son," just like Zachariah. So, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> We've been praying, nothing's been happening. Now we're old. The difference is that there was precedence for what happened with Zachariah and Elisheva. Abraham, Isaac. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, and so on down. There's no precedence for this young girl. There's no precedence. In fact, there are dire consequences. And yet she says, Be it unto me according to your word. With God, nothing is impossible. And the first thing I did this week was go back and read this account of Miriam because I was so taken by the whole presentation of this woman's willing heart and what she potentially could have faced. And that led me To something else. Why wasn't she stoned? Why didn't people come against her? But then, I remembered the process by which she became pregnant. The glory cloud. I don't think that glory cloud ever left her. I think no one could touch her because the glory cloud enfolded her. And I think, do we miss that glory cloud because we don't have a willing heart? Because we ask too many questions? We live in a culture that asks too many questions. We're not satisfied until we have all the answers. She asked one question, got one answer, And she said, be it unto me according to your word. Sometimes we just get too caught up in the details instead of being humble before God and saying, have your will. We say it, we pray it, but do we mean it? Hear Here is an example of someone who never heard the Lord's prayer and is saying, your will be done. Just like her son would say 30 years later. Not my will, but your will be done. This is just another way of saying it. The results of a willing heart. And as I pondered that, I remembered Zakaria And I thought, wow, what a difference in the response between a priest of the Most High and this young virgin girl who gets news that will change her life forever and change the world. But she didn't, she, you know, she didn't quite know that. And when I think of all the times she pondered things in her heart, I think this is one more example. I think she pondered this in her heart. Because when she does go to see her cousin Elisheva, who is now six months pregnant, what is the first thing? Well, okay, so she enters and she greets Elisheva, and Elisheva's baby leaps in her womb, which is proof that the Ruach HaKodesh is within him already. Because he recognized, recognized the Messiah in Miriam. And when Elisheva says to you, blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. And Miriam said, yeah, isn't this great? No, she didn't. Instead, what does she do? She quotes scripture. And she quotes very closely the prayer of Hannah who under very different circumstances was able to conceive a child that she had long waited for, a little different circumstance. But all Miriam could say was this, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant." Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. That's from the Psalms. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the The lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. She looks at the bigger picture. This isn't about me. This is about the people, Israel. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. She finally can give voice to the joy that she is experiencing in understanding, in part, what God has asked her to do, all because of a willing heart. Baruch Hashem. May we all have willing hearts like Miriam. And again, I'm not here to judge the Koria. <laughs> But I see such a difference in the response of Zachariah and Miriam. And like I said, no judging here. I'm just like him. But what an example for us in how we are to respond to the things that the Lord has asked us to do. So, Father, we thank you for your word We thank you, Lord, that your word is truly a treasure trove. We thank you, Father, that every time we go in and ponder your word, meditate upon it, you bless us with multiple truths that we'd never seen, never heard, never been taught before. I have this image now in my mind of Miriam traveling on that donkey, back to Bethlehem with your glory cloud surrounding her. Until that child was born, you protected her, you watched over her with your glory. You overshadowed her, Lord God. What a visual. You are so good, Lord. You are so good. And as... Miriam proclaimed, your mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear you. We are recipients of your mercy, O God. And we have seen your goodness in the land of the living. And we know, Lord, that with you nothing is impossible. Because we have the whole of Scripture. We have the story. There is yet to come. We know when Yeshua returns. But we have seen through the Scriptures Enough to know that you are good, that your mercies endure forever, that you still speak to your people today, and that with you, Lord, nothing is impossible. My prayer for us, Lord, is that we would remember Miriam's willing heart, that we would remember her response, O God, and the blessing that you poured forth upon her, O God, during those Nine months of her pregnancy before Messiah's birth. Truly, she brought light into this world. And we celebrate that light. We celebrate the light that pierces the darkness. The light that we are supposed to have ever shining in our hearts, ever shining in our lives, oh God. And we celebrate that light as tomorrow at sundown we light that shamash candle, the servant candle that represents Yeshua, the light of the world. Let your light so shine in each of us, O God, that we would be the light in the darkness around us, not just during Hanukkah, but every day of our lives, O God. Just as We read the words of Miriam when she found her voice to exalt you, O God. I pray that we would always exalt you. We would always glorify you, Lord, with our lives. Glorify you, Father, with every breath. That our prayers would rise to you, Lord God, morning and evening and all in between because we are commanded to pray without ceasing. And that our prayers would arise to you, Lord, as a sweet incense. We bless you, Lord, because you do hear our prayers. Sometimes we have to wait a long time to hear those words. Your prayers have been answered. But we persevere, Lord, because you are good and your mercies endure forever. And the people of God said, amen and amen.